0: this morning. We need your help in that work. So where I say my own things, uh, where your people hear their own things, I pray those those words would quickly fall away. But where I speak, where I speak after you, um, I pray that you would change hearts and minds, that your spirit would do that work um, to to make us more like your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, it's it's hard to believe that it is Father's Day number two uh, for me, this, this one is uh, very different from the, from the first Father's Day. I mentioned last week, Evie is walking. She's talking. She's dancing. She's climbing. She's doing all, all sorts of crazy things. And it's been really fun. Uh, it's, it's been really great to learn lots of new things as a dad. And one thing that is becoming crystal clear uh, to me is that nothing is too dirty for a toddler. Nothing. They don't even have a category for uh, dirty, right? Uh, I could say, "Ooh, that is that is yucky. Do not do that." I could say that until I'm blue in the face, and she will just continue stuffing what you know that f- banana off the floor. She will continue to stuff that in her mouth, which is which is gross, right? Everything goes in the mouth for a toddler. Everything, uh, unless it, if it misses the mouth, right? It gets everywhere else. That's what I'm learning. Uh, so here's a recent shot of Evie. I think we have a recent shot. She's going to hate me for this someday. Um, Avocado in her hair, right? Banana everywhere. Probably whatever was left on the chair from the, the meal before is in her mouth, right? Kids her age, they just don't care how dirty they get, right? It's just part of being a toddler. But somewhere along the line, hopefully, we learn what's dirty and what's gross and what's disgusting, right, as adults. At least we should. That's dirty. This is gross. It's not presentable. I heard that a lot as a kid, right? coming in from playing outside. And just my mom would say, go make yourself presentable. right? Um, what she meant, go clean myself up. right? Go wash a layer of filth off before dinner. Um, I knew what she meant. You can't be dirty for dinner time. But we slowly, as, as adults, become aware of the things uh, that make us dirty. Um, and think of that phrase, getting dirty. Um, it's often how we talk about uh, dirtiness. It's something we get. Right? It's something that happens to us. It's outside of us uh, primarily, and it needs to be avoided or at least washed off a little bit before we go to dinner. This is how we tend to think about dirtiness outside of us. This or that is unsafe to eat or to touch, and so we avoid it, uh, or we just try to keep ourselves clean. But we know, we know, I've come to know uh, this week as, we've been, as I've been studying in this passage, that there, there's a deeper dirt that is harder to wash away than the grime that you collect when you're playing outside or something like that, or the, the stuff that gets on a banana when it's dropped on the floor. right? It's not just the things out there that can make us feel dirty or unacceptable when it comes to being presentable um, to others, to God, or even to the, the person that you're looking at in the mirror. It's the things on the inside that are the hardest to scrub away. And that's what our text is about this morning, this question What makes us presentable to God? What makes us clean before him? What makes us acceptable to him? Clean enough to be at his dinner table, so to speak. We're not talking about avocado in the hair or banana between the fingers. Uh, Jesus has a deeper cleansing in mind in this text. He says, don't confuse hand washing with heart washing. We're talking about hand washing today. We'll see see three things around this question about what makes us presentable. One, the, the problem of hand washing. Two, the reason we're dirty. And three, the solution that makes us clean. So if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 15. We're picking up where we left off in the story. We've been walking through the book of Matthew. It's hard to believe that we are already in chapter 15 of this gospel. It's been fun. Um, to walk through the life of Jesus, but we were, we're we're picking up where we left off last week, where Jesus has just right, he's just multiplied bread and fish to feed a multitude of people. He's just walked on water across the Sea of Galilee, and now he and they landed on on the other side of the of the lake, the sea, on the, this place called Gennesaret, um, and so so the. Matthew 15 starts with a group of religious leaders called the Pharisees and the scribes. We've we've met them before, the Jewish big shots and basically their their legal team. They meet, they come to Jesus from Jerusalem, from the big city. And if Jesus is still where we left him last week, this is a 30-ish, 31-hour walk from Jerusalem to where he is right now at Gennesaret which is a lot of walking. I did a little bit of mapping this week. That's like walking from here to, to Wichita. That's a, a really long way uh, to walk. And, and Matthew says that they come with a question for Jesus. They come to confront him with a question, which must, it must be a pretty big deal, right? It must have a pretty, pretty important question to ask. And here's what Matthew tells us in verse 2. This is what they come to Jesus with. He says, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands... When they eat. Hand washing. So, it, so they come, they they walk 31 hours to talk to Jesus about hand washing. Jesus, why don't your disciples follow our rules about washing their hands before they eat? Now, kids, let me be clear before we go any farther, hand washing is really important. It is important to wash your hands. But this isn't they're, they're not talking about hygiene here. They're not concerned, this would be a long way to walk. to to make sure that that Jesus and the disciples are clear on the importance of cleaning your hands to get rid of germs, right? That's not what's going on here. It's not a hygiene issue. This is a religious issue. See, these hand-washing rules were part of a set of unwritten rules passed down uh, from the Israelites to the Jewish people into the first century, after centuries of God's people trying to make absolutely certain that they they were not breaking any of God's laws. God gave them commandments on how to live, and now these and these important laws needed to be kept. And so they, they developed, they created and maintained a list of unwritten rules, and these hand washing rules were part of them to help them keep God's laws. At least that was the idea. And there were things considered unclean in their time that they couldn't touch or eat or even be close to. If they did, they needed to wash their hands of it to be clean before they could eat. Now you may have noticed this bowl up here, instead of just Describing hand washing, the ritual of hand washing, uh, to you this morning, I thought I would go ahead and just demonstrate it for you. So a little object lesson uh, this morning. First, this this was a ritual that was only really required if your your meal is primarily going to be consistent cons- consisting of bread or something like that. So if you're mostly eating potatoes, no need to wash your hands before the meal. Um, it, it would also which was, bread, I should say, was a staple. So this is pretty common. It's pretty common to do. Remember, last week we had a, the, the poor boy's meal was, was out of bread. This was something that you would do. Also, before you can actually wash your hands in the ritual way, they had to be clean first. So, you ha- in order to clean your hands, they have to first be clean, which some of you understand with washing dishes, right? You, before you put in the dishwasher, they have to be clean. I'm not going to name any names in our household of why, how that happens, but it does. <laughs> but it, it's, it's a little strange. But in order to do this right, I'm just going to get a little pump. that I'm sure they would have really liked to have this back in the day, hand sanitizer. But here we go. We're ready to go. Hands are clean. And what you would do is you'd take the cup, you'd fill it with the water, and you'd start with your dominant hand and wash from the wrist bone all through the fingers. Make sure you're really good and clean, and then you do it again, so twice. And I should have mentioned that because I have a ring on my left hand, if I, had a, if I have rings on, you have to take them off, unless you never take them off, and then you can keep it on. So because I never take mine off, I'm going to keep it on. So you'd start with your dominant hand, go go to the wrist. I probably supposed to take my garment off, but I'm not going to do that for this morning. And you just wash twice. And then after you're done washing, if you're planning on eating more than two ounces of bread, which is almost always true for me, then you go ahead and say the traditional blessing. You lift your hands chest high, and you say, Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu, which means blessings to our God and Lord Almighty. So you say the traditional blessing, and then you just wash, you just dry your hands naturally. No towel. Towel could, could taint the process. So you cannot use a towel to dry your hands. You just, but I'm going to do that because I'm Touching an iPad. So I'm not going to, I need to dry my hands. But that's it. That is the ritual hand washing. That is what these religious leaders and their legal team walked 30 plus hours to confront Jesus about. He and his disciples were not doing that before a meal. And they were pretty upset about it. And so, the, so this, this is what these men believed would, keep, would make you presentable to God. That's it what the religious leaders of the day believed. And that's the ritual that Jesus and his disciples were ignoring, and Jesus can't believe that they've come all this way to confirm about this. He doesn't even answer their question, really. They ask him, why do you break our rules? And his response to them is, why do you break God's law for the sake of your rules? He flips it around on them, and he gets right to the heart of things. They couldn't care less about whether someone's hands were were clean before a meal. They cared about their rules, the things that they had put in place to be acceptable before God. And Jesus, though, he is concerned about what God has said. And he brings up a specific command to make his point. He says, honor your father and mother, the fifth commandment. He says, your rules are breaking this commandment. You have rules in place to break this which this is an inappropriate example for Father's Day, right? Kids, hear that on Father's Day, honor your father and mother. You should hear that. But Jesus' point here is he's highlighting a loophole in their unwritten rules that actually allowed for or encouraged the breaking of God's command see ex- children were expected to care for their parents in their old age with with financial resources as their parents could no longer provide for themselves kids were were supposed to care for their parents and step in and do so but some people didn't want to part with their wealth they didn't want they, they were greedy they did not want to help their their parents and so the religious leaders of the day there was a rule that allowed for you could you could sides, you could sidestep that as long as you give, this fortune to the temple, as long as you give it to God, so to speak, which, right, the Pharisees, uh, th- this is a self-serving loophole. They benefited from this rule. But, but it's the opposite of what God wants. That's Jesus' point here. Jesus says, forget about hand-washing. The problems are way, way bigger. All right, thanks for making the trip, but you've missed it. And he calls them, he calls them hypocrites, frauds, fakes. Actors on a stage, that's what, the, that's what the word literally means. Like someone on the stage acting for applause. They're acceptable on the outside, but they are far from God on the inside. What makes us presentable to God? According to Jesus, not, not this. Not hand washing. That's just taking care of the outside like a hypocrite. Jesus says we don't get dirty on the outside. Not in the way that, the, that, that this water, this hand washing, takes care of. We're actually dirty on the inside. This is like taking a shower to get rid of shame or guilt or like running your car through a car wash to fix an engine problem. Religious rules and rituals, they can't take care of the real problem. In fact, they can, they can actually make it worse. Now, I, I've shared some of this before, but I grew up in a Christian home. R- very thankful for that foundation in my life. Thankful for that heritage. Um, but I also grew up in a school setting that created and maintained a lot of this. A lot of hand washing, rituals, and rules that were meant to keep us clean on the outside. Don't wear this. Don't cut your hair like that. Don't listen to this kind of music. Don't, don't, don't. Lots, lots of rules. We signed contracts covenant saying that we wouldn't break these rules. And I played by those rules. I actually did really well at it. I was the poster boy for clean-cut Christianity. But on the inside, there was plenty of dirt. Lust that I didn't know what to do with, and it was devouring me, burying me. Pride that swelled with every, with every pat on the back. Envy that kept me striving for more and more and more But I couldn't really let anybody into those things, because that's that's just not how it worked. Just keep washing your hands. Just keep keeping up appearances. Be Be at every church event. Recite these verses. Lead the Bible study. Don't cuss on the field. right? These are most important. Just keep performing for people, performing for yourself, performing for God, and make yourself presentable. Of course, no one ever said any of those things to me, not in so many words. But that's how I came to view God. That's what I thought he wanted from me. Deeply, firmly, I believed that I was acceptable before God by rule keeping, by hand washing, by performing for others. And that's dangerous, the subtle but significant influence of religious rule keeping. I I was a hypocrite. Plain and simple, it, especially by definition of what Matthew says, which is like an actor on a stage who is performing for the applause of others. And I'm, st- I'm still fighting that today. I, I will always I will continue to share that from this stage. I have not arrived, even in the moment, even in the act of, of what I'm doing right now, I fight against performing before others and before God to attain something for, from him. It's really deep, this performance view of myself before God. And some of you approach God this way, too. Look at all these things I'm doing. Look at, look at my track record. I'm trying really hard. Look how clean my hands are. And we miss it. We go through the motions like an actor on a stage performing for applause, and the Pharisees missed it. I miss it. The cleansing I need is not external, it's internal. And this is Jesus, it's his point next, as he, he turns away from the Pharisees and he, and he turns to the crowds who are standing there listening to this teaching and he gives them the reason that we're all dirty. So what he says in verse 10. He says, hear and understand, basically come, listen, this is the main point right here. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. What makes us unpresentable to God? It's not not what gets on your hands and then onto the food and then into your mouth. That's not it. It's what comes out. The problem is the heart, the source of everything, everything we think, everything we feel, that we do, and we've seen this over and over again from Matthew in this in this gospel, right, specifically in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says time and again, you've heard it said, but I tell you this. You've heard that the problem is this, but I'm telling you it's deeper. You've heard that murder is the problem, but I'm telling you it's anger. You've heard adultery is the problem, but I'm telling you it's lust. Even in the good things you do, in your praying, in your giving, in your fasting, you do those things like actors on a stage, and that's a problem. That's a heart problem. Your problem is with your heart, not with your hands. And these rules, these rituals, these things that we've created to try to keep ourselves clean, they're worthless. In fact, they're dangerous. Now, the disciples, they're here, too, and at this point, they're obviously uncomfortable. <laughs> they're Jews. They've, they, this is the water they swim in, right? These... These unwritten rules. And they must have been thinking this whole time as they're not washing hands before eating bread. Oh, man, we're busted. They're going to catch us at some point. And here they are. Now they've come. And they approach Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, those guys are pretty, they're pretty ticked about what you just said. And by the way, what did you just say? Like, we don't get it. We don't understand. They blind. They're blind to Jesus' point, just like the Pharisees. And Jesus says, don't, look, don't worry about them. They're like, they're like blind guides leading the blind into a ditch. Let me explain. And he goes into an explanation that stops just, just short of a full anatomy lesson. He says this, look, think about the food that you eat. Think about the, the most expensive steak, the most extravagant meal you've ever had, and that 10-piece nugget meal from McDonald's. Both of those, when you eat them, they go into your mouth, through your stomach, and they end up in the same place. Right? They exit in the same place with no bearing on your soul. No, no bearing on your character, on what you say, nothing. He says, you eat it, it goes through, and it comes out. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Don't worry about this food or that food or hand washing or not. Those things are trivial. He says, they can, in fact, get you way off track. And you miss the heart of the matter because what matters is the heart. It's having a clean heart, not clean hands. He says, You're missing missing the forest for the trees. And he goes on to list what what makes someone really, truly dirty, right out of the Ten Commandments. As he's already used the fifth commandment as an example of the ways that these rules break God's laws, he says, No, actually, what, what makes you dirty is the breaking of these commandments evil thoughts, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, slander. It's not an exhaustive list, but it proves the point. There's no food on the list. There's nothing about dirty hands. The problem is the evil in our hearts. We have a heart problem. Once again, uh, this week we we were confronted with with terrible evil. Right, the worst the worst mass shooting in the history of this country. And while any in any particular instance of evil, the motives and the circumstances may be may be different, Jesus tells us that the the origin is the same. Whether as seemingly small as as a white lie or gossip, or as undeniably horrific and tragic as the terror of a mass killing, all evil comes from the heart. And if if you've paid attention to the media coverage and if you've been active on on social media you've read post after post about what the real problem is here right this is the real problem right it's, it's this thing or that policy or this group of people right if we could just get that fixed everything would be fine and i'm not going to go into the details there here i'm smarter than that this morning but the problems are almost always all out there right That if we just fix these external things, if we got this policy right, we would would resolve the problem of evil in our world. But Jesus says the problem is deeper. Evil comes from your heart, from my heart. Not something out there that can be washed away by religion or education or politics or whatever we put forward as a solution, religious or irreligious alike. We both do this, we all do this. No amount of hand washing can fix a heart, no ritual or rite or rule or regulation. Education can't do it. Policies can't do it. Most of the rhetoric that has been making our ears bleed this week, none of that can wash away the guilt and stain on our hearts. But it is precisely our hearts that need cleaning. Jesus says, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, Adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defiles a person. You see, we, we don't get dirty like we often think about, about dirtiness. We are dirty. And we, we leak that dirtiness out everywhere, defiling ourselves, defiling others, hurting others. And this isn't the way it's supposed to be. We need to be cleaned. I talked earlier about the ways that I have tried to make myself presentable to God. And I learned learned early on that just, just hiding that dirt was a good way to stay clean, or at least on the outside. But I didn't always succeed at that. Eventually, I was caught in my filth, exposed as unpresentable to God, as a hypocrite. But often, the solution was, well, just stop. Don't, don't do that. Right? That's wrong. Don't do those things, which sort of worked because I was terrified of the consequences of being caught again, right? But eventually, the dirt would leak out again, and I would resort back to hand washing or, or hiding or, or try, just trying to do things to make myself presentable to God. And I'll never forget the first time that caught in my sin and shame, exposed as the hypocrite that I was, a religious actor with a dirty heart, I'll never forget the words that washed over me like a warm shower over my soul. I forgive you. I forgive you. Yes, you're dirty. Yes, that's wrong. Yes, this hurts and it's terrible and all that is true, but I forgive you. And I love you. What makes, uh, what makes us presentable to God? Not hand washing, not avoiding the dirt. The dirt, uh, the dirt is too deep. What we need more than anything else in the world is grace. We need grace. We don't deserve it, it's inherent to grace. But that's precisely the point, and, it make, and it, that's what makes it so powerful. Even though I deserve to be rejected for my sin, to be despised, to be shamed, God makes me presentable in his son. And there's nothing I can do to earn that. There's no ritual to follow. There's no hoop to jump through. Only grace through faith. You don't even have to make yourself clean before you make yourself clean. It's the beauty of grace. And there's no no application for this morning other than to trust that Jesus can make you presentable to God. Do you believe that? Because the problem is really serious. Jesus says, you don't just get dirty, you are dirty. And anything you try to do about it will fail. Except trusting that he has already done it for you. That his blood can make you clean. His death can give you life. He can remove your guilt and shame and give you a new heart. And the kingdom that we've been talking about throughout this book, this kingdom of God, the good life, who is a good person, what is the good life? It's in the kingdom of God. You can't get into this kingdom with a dirty heart. Paul talks about that in his first, the first letter to the Corinthians. Paul the Pharisee, Paul the one who probably adamantly defended this ritual until God... God showed up with his grace and saved him. Paul says this, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. It sounds like what Jesus has just said. To the disciples, these are the things that come out of your heart and they make you dirty. But Paul goes on. He says, but, and I, I love this word in the New Testament, but, but God, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power and by the spirit of God. What you cannot do to make yourself presentable to God, he does. He does it. He washes us clean. He sets us apart for himself. He declares us not guilty before God in the name of Jesus and by the power of his spirit. And I will, never, I will never tire of proclaiming this news from this stage, that God himself became dirty so that you can be made clean. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And don't, please don't leave this morning thinking that there is just one more thing that you have to do that you need to do to make yourself presentable to God. Don't try to wash your hands before being made clean. Just confess your sin to him and hear him say to you, I, I forgive you. I love you. You're clean. Trust him. He can, he can make you clean. Accept the free gift of his grace. He has done for you what you cannot do for yourself in his son. Let's pray. Father, you say in your word, 1 John 1, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You are, you are faithful and just, O oh Lord. To forgive sin and to make us clean. This is the good news. This is why we meet. This is why we're here. To believe this good news and to proclaim it with boldness. Thank you for making a way for us to be presentable to you. You have already done all that we need. And you give us, you give us your spirit to continue that work of cleansing. Help us to reject the lies that we have to make ourselves right before you. We can't. Thank you for saving us. Help us believe the truth that your grace is sufficient to make us right before you. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.